This talk is given by Vanessa Zvise Goddard, a writer and lay Zen teacher based in New York City. This talk, like all of Zvise's talks, is offered freely. If you'd like to make a donation, find out more about Zvise's teachings, or sign up for her newsletter, please visit her website at vanessazvisegoddard.org. Thanks for listening. So we're here to do this preset ceremony for Brian. And um, you know, the first thing to say is um, I think we've known each other for over 10 years. Uh, I was Brian's training advisor uh, before I became his teacher. And over the years, we've had a chance to just get to know each other. We, we have done that, but um, you know, it's something very specific that happens when you're walking a path together, and that is really what we're sharing. And this is a rite of passage for you. It's another beginning. It's, it's definitely not a culmination of the path because the path does not end. It is another beginning that we are all uh, supporting you with and. Hopefully, inspiring you with, inspiring you in, and challenging you, and more than anything, supporting you, supporting your liberation. And so, we'll begin by if you could first do three full bows to the Buddha. Right? So, he is bowing to, and I will be speaking as we go through the ceremony. And can you hear? Sort of. Yeah, okay. Um, so he is bowing to, of course, Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha. He is bowing to awakened nature, and very specifically to his awakened nature. So next, you will do three vows in the direction of your parents. Uh, if they are alive, where they are, they are deceased, the direction they were buried. As he does that, you can have a little bit of Of course, these vows are recognizing your blood lineage. So uh, Brian is now taking another step to become part of this spiritual lineage, uh, but he is very much uh, 
acknowledging, uh, being grateful for unifying with his ancestors, his ancestral lineage, because his ancestors are here. And so now he will do three vows to me, in this case, I'm the Kaishi, the preceptor. And we have covered the Buddha on the altar, so the altar is now set up. So we'll begin by um, doing the invocation of the three treasures. And this really means invoking right, the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, inviting them into this world. And I have said in the past that this invitation is really a formality. They don't need to be invited. This is their home. They are all here. But in inviting and invoking them, we um, make them conscious and we make them present for ourselves. All of the many Buddhas and Bodhisattvas for us, who will come after us, who are here witnessing and participating in this moment. And I will also say, you know, for, for all of us, that it isn't just Brian who's taking the precepts today. We're all taking them. And I would encourage you, as we go through the ceremony, and he's formally taking the precepts, that you take them as well for yourself. Right? Because all, and these are, you know, I'll, I'll always be saying them on the as hold them and take them in your own. But this is the first time that he is formally making these vows. And that is why it's an important rite of passage in Buddhism. Because, you know, hopefully it is not that he has, um, that he is taking the precepts in order to live a moral and ethical life, in order to live a, a, a life of affirmation of generosity, of giving, but that you are already living such a life, and this is your, your public acknowledgement of that. And so for the rest of us, we, we, if this is what we want, if we want our lives to be affirming, then of course we can take this message as well. So uh, this, the, the invocation of the three treasures, I will do by myself. The first time I will chant it in Japanese, the second time in English, and then in Japanese. And this is really, as you will hear, the Buddhas, the Bodhisattvas, Dogen Zenji, Keizan Zenji, who are really mother and father of the, of the Sadong, the, the Soto school, and all of our spiritual ancestors who bring them into the world. Namu, which I will say at the beginning of each phrase, means to be one with, to be one, to be. But in that invocation, that is the mind that we are invoking, the mind of unity. Everybody please gush <clears throat> 
Namo Jipo Butsu Namu Jipo Ho Namu Jipo So Namu Hanshi Shakyamuni Butsu Namu Daisi Daihi Kyoko Kanzeon Bosa Namu Kaijen Fugen Bosa Namu Daishin Manju Shri Bosa Namu Koso Choyo Daishi Namu Taisho Josai Daishi Namu Riki Daiso Shi Bosa Tsu be one with the Buddha in the ten directions. Be one with the Dharma in the ten directions. Be one with the Sangha in the ten directions. Be one with our original teacher, Shakyamuni Buddha. Be one with great compassionate Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva. Be one with great wise Samantabhadra Bodhisattva. Be one with great holy Manjushri Bodhisattva. Be one with Koso Joyo Daishi. Be one with Taiso Josai Daishi. Be one with a successive great ancestors. Namoji Po Butsu Namoji Po Ho Namoji Po So Namu Honshi Shakyamuni Butsu. Namu Daisu Dahi Kyuko Kanze on Bosa Namu Kaijin Fugen Bosa Namu Daishin Manjushri Bosa Namu Koso Joyo Daishi Namu Taiso Josai Daishi Namu Riki Daiso Shi Bosa Tsu Uh, next, we will do the Gatha of Atonement, and you can go up into chicken. So the Gatha of Atonement is the Gatha of Atonement. Uh, Brian, you are taking responsibility for all of your karma, all of your harmful karma, all of your good karma as well. But you are particularly atoning for karma that has harmed others, that has harmed you. And as the, the verse says, it's because of our beginningless anger and ignorance, the three poisons that are said to um, arise the moment there is consciousness, the moment there is awareness. But the other side of the three poisons are the three virtues, generosity, compassion, and wisdom. And so really at any moment when you are choosing an action, it is you're, you're choosing in such a way that the coin will fall on one side or the other. And our bodhisattva vows are to bring forth to actualize the three virtues. <clears throat> but first, we acknowledge, we take responsibility, and we atone in, in body, in mouth, and thought as well for that karma that we have created. That is possible. <clears throat> so this one we'll chant uh, three times. We'll chant it in English, and if uh, you could repeat after me, after each line. Right? So I'll do one line by myself, and then you all come together. <clears throat> Everybody, please, Kesha. All evil karma committed by me since of old. All evil karma committed by me since of old. Of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance, on account of my beginningless greed, anger, and 
of my body, mouth, and thought. Born of my body, mouth, and thought. Now I atone for it all. Now I atone for it all. All evil karma ever committed by me since of old. All evil karma ever committed by me since of old. On account of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance. On account of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance. Born of my body, mouth, and thought. Born of my body, mouth, and thought. Now I atone for it all. Now I atone for it all. All evil karma ever committed by me since of old. All evil karma ever committed by me since of old. Of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance. On account of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance. Born of my body, mouth, and thought. Born of my body, mouth, and thought. Now I atone. Of course, taking um, atonement, making atonement for karma uh, does not erase it. It does not in any way make it as if it did not happen. But taking responsibility for it, we are in a position to then do something about it. Uh, in Shantideva that we've been studying, he speaks of remedial action, right? So how, what actions do we take in order to um, shift the course of that destructive or harmful karma. And we cannot do that until we atone for it, until we truly own it. And so the path of atonement prepares us for that further action. Next is the asperging. And the asperging, um, really what it is, is an expression a very concrete expression of the unity of our mind. In this case, very specifically, your mind, Brian, and my mind, and um, which also marks, um, you could say, a kind of formal entry point into the lineage of Buddhas and ancestors. So um, although in, in some ceremonies it is characterized as a purification, from the beginning, there is nothing to purify. So this is really that acknowledgement of the mind that is already here, that is already unified, and we're expressing it in the ceremony and the mind of all of us as well.
Next is the taking of the three treasures. So the three treasures, uh, we could say conventionally speaking, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, uh, refer to Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha, without whose life, whose, without whose practice, without whose realization, we would not be here today. And it began. But as I said before, it is also awakened mind everywhere. Universal mind and beyond. It is that mind that does move towards what is good, what is wise, what is affirming, what is life affirming. And so, in taking refuge in the three treasures, we want to really be investigating what that is directly in our lives for you specifically. How do you do that? What does it mean to key a to unreservedly throw yourself into these three treasures and to rely upon them. That's what Kie means. And so very concretely in your life, your day-to-day -day life, how do you do that? How do you take refuge in the Buddha and that awakened mind? How do you take refuge in the Dharma, in truth, in seeing things as they are, seeing things as they um, As they are very, very, very directly. It seems so simple. And yet, what we see in our world is our inability to see things as they are, right? We create reality in our own image. And so, so much of what you're vowing to do today is to work to remove the obstacles that prevent you from seeing what is there. And then going further to, to bring that truth to bear in your actions, in your words, in your thoughts, to create a Buddha field with all of your actions. And to, to uh, choose to make that truth our path, to choose to, that, to have that be the ground upon which you're walking. And then taking refuge in the Sangha, of course, first this Sangha, the Sangha of practitioners, but also this Sangha and its multiple selves. To bring all of those selves into harmony, to understand as clearly as you can those selves, so that they're not in conflict, so that when you turn out to this Sangha, what you're bringing is that harmony. Remember that Sangha is the virtue of harmony. And really what this means is, is you know, to throw oneself wholeheartedly, unreservedly into the three treasures means we drop all pretense. We become very simple, unadorned. We don't perform. We are who we are completely, without apology, without confusion more and more as we as we step into our lives and as we step into who we are. And we do so in the spirit of wanting to enhance our lives and everyone's lives. Again, to not obstruct, to not create harm. So once again, here I will chant it in Japanese first by myself, then when I chant the English, if you can repeat each line after me. Thank <laughs> you. 
Namukie, Butu Namukie, Ho Namukie, So Namubutu, Namubutso Mujosan, Kie, Go Huru. Namukie, Butu Namukie, Ho Namukie, So Namukie, Butu Mujosan, Kie, Horu and San, Kie, So Agosan. Kie bukyo, kie hokyo, kie sokyo. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Sangha. I take refuge in the Buddha, the incomparably honored one. I take refuge in the Buddha, the incomparably honored one. I take refuge in the Dharma, honorable for its purity. I take refuge in the Dharma, honorable for its purity. I take refuge in the Sangha, honorable for its harmony. I take refuge in the Sangha, honorable for its harmony. I have taken refuge in the Buddha. I have taken refuge in the Buddha. I have taken refuge in the Dharma. I have taken refuge in the Dharma. I have taken refuge in the Sangha. I have taken refuge in the Sangha. Namukie, butsu namukie, ho, namukie, so, ki, butsu mujasan, ki, ho, ruensan, ki, so, wagasan, ki, bukyo, ki, ho, kyo, ki, so, kyo. Do you take refuge in the three treasures? I vow to take refuge in So next is uh, taking up the three pure precepts. And so if you think of the precepts as a map, the three pure precepts are the cardinal directions. Uh, you can, uh, are the cardinal directions. And then the 10 great precepts are really the roads, the, the paths that you will actually walk. But the, these directions are giving direction to your life. And my teacher always used to say, they are the way that a, that a Buddha lives their life. And so I will read the precept. I will follow the precept of a short commentary. And then I will read the Kyoto Kaimon. This is a Master Dogen's commentary on the precepts which has been handed down in our lineage, the Bhaktivedanta lineage. So if you can go into Chokin. I vow to not create evil. This is the root of all of our activity. 
before anything else, before any thought, before any word, before any action. We vow to not create harm, to not compound the karma of suffering, to not add delusion to delusion, to not perpetuate pain, especially, most especially when you are hurting and when you want to push out in an effort to defend yourself. This precepts means renouncing our right to be right, to be first, to be safe in that protection, self-protection. It means not knowing when you step, what you step into, yet trusting that in renouncing harm, you will walk the right way. This is the abiding place of all Buddhas. This is the very source of all Buddhas. I vow to not create evil. Will you maintain this? I vow to not create evil. I vow to practice good. This is the embodiment of all our this is how we create a better future. With our family, at work, with friends, with strangers. This is how we wake up from the dream of delusion, the dream, the nightmare of self-isolation, of self-centeredness. This is the Dharma of Samyak Sambodhi, great enlightenment. This is the way of all beings. I vow to practice good. About to practice good. About to actualize good for others. This is the activation of our vows. And for this, let me quote Shantideva. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road. May I be, for those who wish to cross the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for land, a lamp for those who long for light, for those who need a resting place, a bed, for those who need a servant, may I be their servant. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of plenty, a word of power and the supreme healing. May I be the tree of miracles and for every being the abundant cow. Like the earth and the pervading elements, enduring as the sky itself endures, for boundless multitudes of beings, may I always be their ground and sustenance. May I always meet them where they are. May I always know if and when they want to be saved. I always know when this one needs to be saved. Master Dogen says, to actualize good for others is to transcend the profane and to be beyond the holy. You see what he's saying? This is to go beyond good and evil. How? How do you do that as you are acting in the world of good and evil? This is your call. 
this is your question. This is how we liberate oneself and others. I vow to actualize good for others, women and families. I vow to actualize good for others. Next are the ten great precepts. And so as I said, these are really the roads, the paths. Some of them are wide as highways. They will be obvious how to proceed. Some of them you will have to bushwhack your way through the bushes, through the woods. And so your aspiration, your vow, is to find the way where there is no way, where there seems to be no way. You will find it. And the Ten Great Precepts show you how, in a very indirect way. So you have to meet them. The first Great Precept is to affirm life. I vow to affirm life, I will not kill. This includes all the ways where we take life, that we rob a person of a life. The, the literal way that we kill, which is the, the doubly uh, harmful because it robs a person from the opportunity to awaken. But also all the ways in which we might degrade ourselves or others, disregard, erase, cut off parts of ourselves, parts of those many selves. The ways our choices, the way our choices could be killing somebody else on the other side of the planet. And so there's the literal way of responding, of taking in and responding to this precept. And then there's the, the, the path that will be um, revealed to you, commensurate with your understanding and with your practice, realization. And that is why you're never done, because it will always, always be more to see. Life is non-killing. The seed of Buddha grows continuously. Maintain the wisdom life of Buddha and do not kill life. I vow to affirm life, I will not kill. Can you maintain this? I vow to affirm life, I will not kill. The second great precept is to be giving. I vow to be giving, I will not steal. This precept encourages, uh, of course, encourages us to refrain from taking what is not ours, what has not been given freely. But it also is encouraging us to extend the boundaries of the self, to give of our time, to give our attention, knowing that when we do so, we're not just benefiting others, we're benefiting self because self and other are not two as another precept says. And with all of these precepts, it's not a matter of sacrificing. It's not a matter of renouncing some part of yourself so that you can do the right thing, the noble thing. You know that is not the way. It is a matter of aligning yourself with what is already true. And sometimes that means you know, removing some obstacles that might be in the way. But 
never think of this as self-sacrifice because then it will not last. And whenever you feel the impulse to involute, open, remember, open, do not constrain what is by nature limitless. The mind and externals are just thus. The gate of liberation is always open. I vow to be given, giving, I will not steal. Let me maintain this. I vow to be giving, I will not steal. The third great precept is to honor the body. I vow to honor the body, I will not misuse sexuality. To misuse sexuality is to engage in power play, to engage in harmful desire, or to engage in abuse. Of the three poisons, desire is the strongest. Of desires, lust is the most compelling and the most damaging. Not by itself, and not in, um, not in harmony, but when it is self-centered, self-serving, it's, uh, its potential to harm is good. And so once again, more than renouncing desire, this precept is helping us to have a wider view of our actions, to understand what in a moment we may choose to ignore so that we don't live in regret. And this is one of those precepts that is good to work with when you're calm, when you're steady, when you're grounded, so that you can make use of it when you're not. It asks us to fully honor this body, this body, and this body, because they are not two. The three wheels, body, mouth, and mind, greed, anger, and ignorance are pure and clean. Nothing is desired, go the same way as the Buddha. What is that nothing is desired? It's not have no desires. What does he say? I vow to honor the body, I will not misuse sexuality. I will maintain this. I vow to honor the body, I will not misuse sexuality. fourth great precept is to manifest truth. I vow to manifest truth, I will not lie. We lie to protect ourselves. But when we see that the self is an illusion, then what is there to protect? When we're not prey to the eight worldly winds, praise and blame, success and failure, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, when we're completely open, exposed, vulnerable. There is no need to cover up, no need to bend the truth. Because lying, it harms others, but it's probably the most corrosive uh, agent in our own being. And so manifesting truth is really walking. It's walking on the ground of reality. The Dharma wheel unceasingly turns, and there is neither excess nor is there lack. Sweet dew permeates the universe. 
gain the essence and realize the truth. I vow to manifest truth, I will not lie. Will you maintain this? I vow to manifest truth, I will not lie. The fifth great precept is to proceed clearly. I vow to proceed clearly, I will not cloud the mind. With the obvious ways of clouding the mind, drugs, alcohol, sex, television, our phones, not with fantasy, not with stories about ourselves or others, stories about the world. Because at heart, this is a precept in which Again, we're choosing to see what is there, to be in and of our lives. And when we choose to do that willingly, then the path opens. <clears throat> and even when we go off the path, when we lose our way, what we return to is the vow to proceed clearly, the vow to manifest truth. This is, this is, you, you don't get, um, uh, you don't flunk when you, when you uh, fail to uphold the precept. It's simply showing you there is still more to see, there is more to live into. And so always with all of these precepts, in the moment when you notice, oh, okay, that there was a gap, what I wanted to do and what I actually did, notice that gap and let it hurt. Let it hurt, because that's what will bring you back. And with this precept in particular, remember that our mind is always naturally bright, cognizant, and clear. It has never been. Do not be defiled. It is indeed the great clarity. I vow to proceed clearly. I will not cloud the mind when you maintain this. I vow to proceed clearly, I will not cloud the mind. The sixth great precept is to see the perfection. I vow to see the perfection, I will not speak of others' errors and faults. I think it is telling that so many of the Buddhist teachings speak about speech, like speech. In the Mahayana Sutras, the Buddha's last words were to refrain from idle talk because it is so easy to cause harm with our words. And most of the time it feels like, uh, what am I really hurting? It's just a little, I'm just telling the truth about someone. I'm just saying what needs to be said and nobody wants to say. This Precept is not speaking about calling out harm, which needs to be done. It is speaking about speech that is self-serving. So the focus in your life is here, it's not out there. Everybody has their path and their life to live. And you live yours with as much truth and harmony and clarity as you can muster, as you can practice, as you can invoke and actualize. And so seeing the perfection means seeing the wholeness. It doesn't mean that people or things, situations are flawless. It means 
they are whole, they are complete. Seeing ourselves as that, seeing the world as that, we realize how foolish and what a waste of time, frankly, it is to criticize. With this precept, we're striving to speak peace, to be peace with our words. In the midst of the Buddha Dharma, we are the same way, the same Dharma, the same practice, the same realization. Do not speak of others' errors and faults. Do not destroy the way. I vow to see the perfection. I will not speak of others' errors and faults. I will maintain this. I vow to see the perfection. I will not speak of others' errors and faults. seventh great precept is to realize self and others as one. I vow to realize self and others as one. I will not elevate the self and blame others. So while the previous precept was speaking about not criticizing, not looking out, this precept is talking about not isolating, not elevating and putting down. And so it's a, it's a subtle distinction, but it's a distinction nevertheless. Where are the others? If we can answer this question, then there's no need to praise or to blame. This precept is asking us to stand on our own two feet, covering completely the ground upon which we stand, and to go beyond winning and losing, beyond being first and last, beyond being the, 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 the best practitioner, the most studious, the hardest sitter, all of that is irrelevant in your life. Buddhists and ancestors realize the absolute emptiness and realize the greater. When the great body is manifested, there is neither inside nor outside. When the Dharma body is manifested, there is not even a single square inch of ground upon which to stand. I vow to realize self and others as one. I will not elevate the self and blame others or to maintain this. I vow to realize self and others as one. I will not elevate the self and blame others. The eighth great precept is to give generously. I vow to give generously, I will not be withholding. So the second great precept was asking us to not take, but to give and to not take. This one is, is kind of like practicing good, you know, to refrain from harm and then to practice good. It is the, the affirming precept, is to, to open and to generously give, to once again not limit yourself by this body, this mind. Notice how in the world, it is often the people who have the most who give the least. So this precept is asking us to practice abundance, to rest in generosity, and to trust that everything that you need will come to you. One phrase, one verse, 10,000 forms, 100 grasses, one dharma, one realization, all Buddhas, all ancestors, 
since the beginning, there never has been anything to withhold. I vow to give generously. I will not be withholding. Let me maintain this. I vow to give generously. I will not be withholding. The ninth great precept is to actualize harmony. I vow to actualize harmony, I will not be angry. Anger too is nothing, but self-protection. Shantideva says a moment, an instant of anger can destroy kalpas of practice, of realization, of harmony, of love. Stripped of self-centeredness, anger shows our care, shows our love. Imbued with self, anger destroys. And I really think that anger is the self not wanting to feel itself, not being able to tolerate itself in a moment. You see how much violence is that? It is a, a, a person, an individual, a community, a nation's inability to tolerate itself and therefore projecting on and so this precept requires, to actualize harmony, requires enormous strength, determination, and courage to once again stay here and not project out, not lash out. Self-liberate anger and use its energy to liberate others. It is not regressing. It is not advancing. It is not real. It is not unreal. There is an illuminated cloud ocean. There is an ornamented cloud ocean. I vow to actualize harmony. I will not be angry. Let me maintain this. I vow to actualize harmony. I will not be angry. the 10th precept is to experience the intimacy of things. I vow to experience the intimacy of things. I will not defile the three treasures. We started at the beginning saying they cannot be defiled. Yet this precept is saying when you stand apart, when you talk about the Dharma, when you talk about practice instead of uh, practicing it, instead of living it, you defile the three treasures. So this Precept is really saying it all. Saying, don't talk about it, live it. Don't just study it, live it. Get close, get close, get close. It's not even the most wondrous philosophical, religious, or scientific views have helped to liberate us. But if we practice, realize and actualize in that ever spinning spiral that is our life, then we have a chance. To be intimate. We have a chance to, to embody, to actualize what is already true. Living the Dharma with the whole body and mind is the heart of wisdom and compassion. All virtues return to the ocean of reality. You should not comment on them, just practice them, realize them, and actualize them. I vow to experience the intimacy of things. I will not defile the three treasures. Will you maintain this? 
allowed to experience the intimacy of things and will not defile the treasures. The six, 16 precepts, the three treasures, the three pure precepts, and the ten brave precepts are handed down by Shakyamuni Buddha, generation after generation, down to me. I now give them to you. Will you maintain them well? I will. Will you maintain them well? I will. Will you really maintain them well? I will. And if you don't, I will. That is very zen, but Sometimes places On this July 23rd of 2022, Brian Pontolillo has received the 16 precepts of the Buddha Way, a rock suit, and is being given, given the, the Dharma name, Ryusan, as we say, preceptor. <clears throat> if everyone could please catch up. And this I will chant by myself. When sentient beings receive the Shila, they enter the realm of the Buddhas, which is none other than the great enlightenment. Truly they are the children of the Buddha. When sentient beings receive the Shila, they enter the realm of the Buddhas, which is none other than the great enlightenment. Truly they are the children of the Buddha. When sentient beings receive the precepts, they enter the realm of the Buddhas, 
which is none other than the great enlightenment. Truly they are the children of the Buddha. Okay, so now Brian will do Jundo. So he will pass in front of each of your seats in a standing gasho. And so you can just do a, a seated bow to him. You're acknowledging. Ah, Rusan, I'm sorry, Rusan is going to do Jundo. So you can acknowledge him joining the lineage of the Buddha's ancestors and um, offering him more garage. <laughs> So let me say a little bit about Rasu and, and Rusan's Dharma. Um, you know, as I have been um, finding my own way to uh, teaching, there are certain things I've done, you know, just slightly different. So I did not give him a certificate. Um, it, I did not give him a certificate when he became a student. Instead, I gave him a mala. So all of you, those who have become my students, have received a, a mala from me because I wanted things that were tangible. You know, people move houses, papers end up sometimes who knows where. And so I wanted things that were tangible. And so I chose not to do a, a certificate for that or for this. The, 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 the date of the ceremony is in your rapsu, so you will not forget. <laughs> the one for a student, I think you, you just need to write it down if you choose to. Um, he has received a rakku, so he did not sew this himself, uh, which is often done, not always, but often. The reason for that is our setup is still not conducive for that. It, it, it is a, a quite complicated task, as Adam can attest. It can take a very long time. And what I wanted really was that the focus be on the precepts, you know, on, on what is now he's going to be living. And so, um, so it was made for him, just as my teacher's rakus, both of my teacher's rakus were, were made. But of course, remember, this is a, a miniature version of a rice field. And it is the miniature version of the Buddha's robe, which is worn over one shoulder. So what you are wearing now is the Buddha's robe. You will have that whenever you sit. You will have that, of course, whenever you do liturgy. You will have that whenever you need to remind yourself standing on that ground. 
And the lineage, the lineage, traditionally the lineage um, <clears throat> is the lineage of the male ancestors. And that for some time has felt incomplete. When I received transmission, I actually, my lineage chart has both. I, I, I copied it, you, you copy it by hand, and it had the men and the women. And, um, and so I didn't want to use the traditional format and just do the, the, the male teachers. And so, um, so I've, I've been thinking, you know, how to do it in a way that, that honors both. And that is not, I can't give you the same type of lineage that I would use for transmission. And so I'm, I'm still envisioning what that would look like. So I, I will give you one. Uh, I just, I didn't, I wasn't, it, I wasn't, it hadn't fully cooked and I didn't want to give you something just to give it to you. And so uh, I would prefer to wait and have it feel um, that it's including everything that I feel it should include. And then I will give that to you and whoever follows. So your Dharma name, Ryusan. Ryu means flow, means current. It's the flowing of someone who doesn't get easily stuck, who doesn't need to stake a, a stake on the, on the ground because he sees that the ground is everywhere. Flowing water is soft, like milk flowing through fingers, and it is strong enough to hold up a ship. <clears throat> Sun means mountain. It is everything that is solid, that is dependable, that is earth to the water in your name. Sun, sun is the ground you walk on, and the ground you've yet to discover. Sun is not easily swayed. But it is not immovable. Remember that column of Yunnan, the East Mountain walks over the water. That's really Ruzan. And perhaps the, the biggest challenge is to determine when to bend, right? when to flow, and when to stand. You will practice, you'll know, because you already know, and because you have help. And you can call him on stuff now. Didn't you take the precepts, honey? Now you can actually really do that. So, Ryusen. You know, in one, in one sense, this is a little bit like, like a, a hatching. There's the image and there's a, a couple of columns. With a, and, and that Roshi used to love to quote this, um, the hen pecks from the outside and the chick pecks from the inside. And when it, the pecking is in harmony and when the time is right, the shell breaks and the chick comes out. It's a newly attached chick. And you know, conventionally, the moral and ethical teachings in a society, you know, I think to a great extent are meant to keep us in check, right? are meant to help us live in harmony, but, but they keep us in check. But really in Buddhism, they're meant to actively help, help us to awaken. That's why I was saying, so, when, so even when you, when you fail to um, fulfill a precept, 
and, and, and how you will determine a, a situation needs it. That's still fodder, food for awakening. So there's never any moment, any action, any thought that is wasted. That is why people say to me, I'm so distracted, I'm so scattered. Okay, notice. Use that scatteredness to awaken. Use that energy. Your, your, your anger, your sadness, your resentment, you know, whatever those moments of impatience, right there. Right there is where you look. Right there is where you look. So we don't refrain from harm because it's the right thing to do. We do it because it's our nature and to harm. At heart, we are ahimsa, non-harming. And when we harm, it's because we've lost touch with ourselves. So this is a way to stay very close to your heart, to your mind, to your being. And so please never think of these precepts as rules, but as beacons. And think of them as your life, as the fabric of your life, because that is really what they are. And so the more you know that and the more you integrate that, then it's really just a matter of following that path. Which once again, it's not, it's not the idea of it, but it's really, it's really your inherent wisdom to live out of that. So, congratulations, Risa. So we need the, the goals for this to not fall past all four goals. Okay. And uh, I wanted to go back to that season. <clears throat>
For more talks, to get more information about Zvise's upcoming teachings, or to join her email list, please visit vanessazvisegoddard.org.